Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. She likes to dump grooms right at the altar, plows down the aisle, knocking old ladies out of her way like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. I'm profoundly and irreversibly screwed up. You're gonna do the same thing to number four that you did to the previous three, and I'm not leaving until you do. All right, boys, take my princess for a ride on her chariot. I've been running Maggie through these visualization exercises. All the sports drinks uh, use this head stuff. Be the ball, sink the putt, never say die. Tell me, when you get to the altar, do you spike the bouquet? He's a trapped in man. The vicious reporter is attractive. I like his tight butt. Well, I do. What do you think? It works. Oh, we we gotta go, gotta go meet Bob. Maybe pitter patter of little feet not be Maggie. <laughs> May the gifts be returnable. <laughs> Maggie's family and friends. May your noses be rubbed in all of your mistakes. This is the one uh, people have been waiting for. Uh, I guess depending on your Julie Roberts fandom, you would see this as a pretty woman too, as uh, she finally uh, goes back to to war with a. Uh, her director Gary Marshall and of course leading man Richard Gere or uh, if you're too young for that um, maybe you're just happy to see uh, see the the woman from Notting Hill and another romantic comedy in the same same summer and Ben I did not look this up but I seem to recall back then that there was um, a sort of release schedule uh, dick measuring contest between mm. the uh, respective studios and that the reason we got Notting Hill uh, in May, like so close to Star Wars Episode One, was not counter-programming, but because they wanted to release later in the summer, but they had to, I guess, for um, you know promotional purposes, they had to have a certain distance from Julie Roberts' commitment to Runaway Bride. But I think that it may have done a disservice to this film because Notting Hill uh, was a nice little hit and critically well received, and so this was the Johnny Come Lately. Summer of '99 for Julia Roberts. Well, yeah, I mean, you could say that. I, I don't know. I think I commercially, <laughs> I think commercially, obviously, Runaway Bride did did really well. Uh, you know, I like. Okay, so I didn't see this in theaters. Uh, it was one I saw on TV, 
And I remember liking Notting Hill back then a lot more than this, uh, you know. And 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 in all honesty, I re- I remember really hating this the first time I saw it oh, on TV, okay. and I thought it I thought it was lame and stupid, and you know, and uh, and I and I don't really like you know Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and blah blah blah. How, um, well, how old were you when you first watched this? Like fourteen. So I was okay, like, you know, yeah, so not like not the audience. God damn you, Richard Gere. Oh, you know, you're just. <laughs> You're the reason I can't get a date to homecoming. Um, so that's a much better version of she's all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty creepy version of she's yeah. all that. If we're, if we're being honest. <laughs> so, so coming to it today, I think I was a lot more nostalgic and, uh, you know, giving and open to it. And, and I had a fine time. I, ha- I had a just a fine time. I, I, it's obviously no Notting Hill. It doesn't even, it's not even in the same, you know, I, I think one of the problems is when Julia Roberts plays characters that are too likable, if that makes mm. sense, they just don't seem like they're not, as, they're not thought. as, they're not as real. They're, she's just not as believable uh, as a human being. And, and I like her in Notting Hill cause she, cause you know, there's so many different facets to her there. Uh, we, we, you know, we talked about her having her, you know, elitist white people, uh, celebrity problems, uh, in that movie. And I think that movie was aware of that. And, and when we come to this movie, um, you know, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Julia Roberts is a, uh, handyman. Uh, you know, I, uh, I believe that about as much as I believe Denise Richards is a scientist, uh, in a upcoming Look, Bond movie, but sir. <laughs> I think she's in industrial design. I believe that's what her passion is, but she just happens to be, you know, as close as she can get to that. She's in the, the local hardware store. Um, okay, yeah. Do you, do you believe I, do you believe her as a handyman at any point in this movie? I'm not even... I, it's not like a detrimental be, flaw or anything. I, I have to be perfectly honest here that there were probably multiple scenes with her holding, like... Yeah. You know, a hammer, and I didn't know. I, I thought she was just like helping at out at like her family like store. Like I didn't really know. Like, oh wait, this is like her thing, and I had to play catch up to that. <laughs> um, so no, not not really uh, believable. But uh, your your point about her not playing nice enough because I've always thought that she she was sort of looked upon as like the movie star that like to the I guess the detriment at the the box office or much to the chagrin of like studio heads that she was shying away from like doing a 180 from her pretty woman's or breakout role. And, you know, while that's respectable to, to do that, like um, I'm trying to think like a movie I never saw, like Mary Riley, I remember was a a box office bomb. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, I I remember people like my mom, like who liked pretty woman and uh, was mystic pizza. Was that another one she was in from the late eighties? I've never seen Um, it, but yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, I just remember her thinking like, why can't she just, you know, why does she not want to be like, you know, friendly and nice and charming and in comedy? It's like, what is she doing? These like dour, like, you know, period pieces where, you know, she has no makeup and she's just grimacing. Like it's <laughs> much like, uh, it reminds me now of, uh, your, your takedown of book smart <laughs> was on the previous episode where your, your main takeaway was the poster where you have two, two women in this, you know, breakout comedy that are just like scowling at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that was my mom, like her take on like seeing like the poster for Mary Riley. She's like, why would I watch that? Like I liked her in pretty woman. I'm not seeing this. Um, so we have something like runaway bride, which is like, 
you know, same same director, same co-star. Like they're clearly like going back to back to that. As close as they can get to a pretty woman sequel without being a sequel. We'll get the same players and it's sort of a almost 10 years later uh nostalgia trip. And it seems like for all the complaints, um she totally did shift her persona to where we kind of want her as like the ice queen to a certain degree. <laughs> like we Well, you and we me. Want- but like general audiences, well, I, feel I don't like, think. <laughs> okay, so like the cultural like currency of like Notting Hill is far greater than Runaway Bride. I mean, it's Pretty Woman would be more of a an equal, obviously, because that was like the role that made her a movie star. But like, I I wonder if people like, even if they had seen Runaway Bride, could place it as like, oh yeah, that was a film from 1999, or you know that that came out in this time period. They, I think it would just get lost in the shuffle, kind of like a. A lot of the Sandra Bullock rom-coms where it's sort of high concept and we get something that is so perfect for the players involved here that there's nothing unique or memorable about it. Because it's this is a layup movie for Roberts and Gear and Marshall where it hits all the beats that we've asked for, but yet there's nothing – this is not like a full meal that we come away satisfied. Um, and I'm not even saying it's bad because mm-hmm. this was a first time watch for me. And for the most part, I found it pleasant and enjoyable. But yeah, this is, you know, if I had seen it in 99, I think I would be hard pressed to remember like one particular great scene from uh-huh. it. Uh, so I only, you know, could talk about it at length, which our listeners probably don't want now, just because I just watched it like, you know, last week. But yeah, I don't think this is one that people would go back to and, and remember with great reverence like they do, like the, uh, you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy speech uh, mm-hmm. in Notting Hill. Yeah, we're largely in agreement, which will make for a very boring episode. <laughs> Just, you know, so, I mean, I don't think it's a bad, you know, if it's raining outside, you know, you don't want to go outside, uh, you know, this is fine. Uh, and, and then, you know. I love this world you're in where <laughs> it's very old fashioned. It's raining. I can't leave the house. And there's only one thing on television, one movie. <laughs> like you have no other options. No, not Nothing. even one thing. Like, you know, if there were like five things and they were all like, you know uh romantic comedies you know about this level then you know i would say this is fine it's fine like it's fine i i had a i enjoyed my time with it i think the so the the premise itself is really good the premise itself of this woman who runs off uh from weddings and everything you know you could remake that and make it into 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 a great film i I, the the whole deal with you know a journalist being so interested in this and you know making a news story out of it and then getting fired because of it blah 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 i don't know if i really buy all that or if i think you need any of that but the central idea of just a woman who runs who becomes known for running away from weddings uh that's good that's relatable that's probably the reason you know that and the casting is the reason why this movie was a big hit um where where i think the movie is kind of is kind of funny is is that uh and this may just be me i just didn't i like <laughs> i don't really feel that it's very natural how the main character here and uh, and Richard Gere's character, how they they get together, uh, you know, in the middle part uh, of this film, it it seems it seems like oh yeah, you know, I remember you from Pretty Woman, you know, that made money, right? Let's yeah. let's do it again, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, and I I do really feel bad for poor Christopher Maloney here, uh, you know, who who you know has done nothing wrong, um, 
Um, I saw a bit of trivia where he, I think he was in another film with Richard Gere, where Richard Gere takes his lady again. So yeah. I can't remember which film that is, but um, I do not feel bad for Christopher Maloney. I think he's pretty obnoxious here. Oh, I mean, come on. Nice enough guy, but like his whole thing where he's, uh, you know, the, the high school football coach or whatever, and he's like going to coach her through how to get through, how to survive a wedding to him. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're just... Uh, they don't do the Mrs. Doubtfire thing, which I think is unfortunate. Like, uh, and maybe it would make the Julia Roberts character too unlikable. Where, you know, if this was Pierce Brosnan to, uh, you know, unfortunately for I guess Richard Gere to uh, to his version of Mrs. Doubtfire, um, you would you would then think like, okay, so if this guy's nice, handsome, charming, and she still has to break it off with him, I think you turn against the character. And so that's, as I was watching it, I was wondering how many times, like, especially when we get to Richard Gere and it's, you know, they decide that they're, after he's ruined uh, Christopher Maloney's wedding by just making out with his bride-to-be at the rehearsal uh, the night before, like, hey, you got church, you got all this stuff paid for, we'll just take it from him. He, he's out of the picture, which I'm like, is that is that how that works? And you're okay, saying fine. you don't feel bad for Christopher Maloney in that, in that situation? I don't. I, <laughs> well, okay, in that particular situation, but I'm, it's not like I'm rooting for them to actually get married i think they make him just kind of quirky and obnoxious enough where you're like as we've talked about in the last episode like you're you're training the audience to be like that's not the guy it's not just that it's richard gear it's just like well clearly it can't be christopher maloney and not with him with all of his like he constantly talks in sports metaphors and analogies um i the closest it gets to that is like obviously she's gonna run on richard gear um but he's I guess the film feels like he's still not been punished enough for writing this column better that is true. I mean, she is a woman that leaves their, you know, husbands to be, um, you know, consistently. Um, but where they tried to shine him up a little bit is she, she has become this running gag to the local townspeople and family. And it's interesting because what they're saying about her is not much different than what he said in his column mm -hmm. that they all, they also rallied around her. Like, Hey, don't, don't pick on one of her own. But then when he comes to like, hang up and do hang out and do like a follow-up article, like, you know, she's, she's getting roasted by her dad, by her, <laughs> by her friends and family. And I guess he like kind of comes to her defense, but I didn't get it. I didn't have a firm grasp on, the Julie Roberts character. And I think if she was playing a little bit, playing it a little bit harsher, maybe then I would have understood what she is looking for. But, you know, her running sequence from Richard Gere, it's like, she doesn't like to have her picture taken like this. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I think the, you, you, really you could take, as you said, this like the conceit of the film for rom-com. And I think you just like scrap the entire script and you just, you just start with that idea and you could probably find something that was maybe a little more lasting, but instead it just seems like two people who don't just say what they want. And if they do, that's not actually what they want. Like this has to be those most obnoxious, like sort of trope for like men versus women, as far as the battle of the sexes where, you know, women want the man to like, just figure out intuitively what they want. Um, and this just seems like two hours, two hours of that, and it's just it's just eventually just kind of runs its course. This is like an eighty minute movie packed into to two hours. Yeah, you know, but it's mostly enjoyable. And uh... it's got one good scene in my mind. It's got one good. What's scene. the one good scene? 
Joan Cusack, um, after yeah. you know, Gear is like trying to like sort of insinuate that, um, you know, the Julie Roberts character kind of gets off on the attention. Maybe that's why she can't commit, which is, you know, that's, that's fair. And it's like, I, I don't even really condemn the Roberts character for that because we've seen a lot of men sort of play that sort of like charming cad type role. Um, and she's trying to kind of draw a line in the sand as far as like why certain traits uh, from the Julia Roberts character are allowed or, or seemingly enticing uh, to the opposite sex. Uh, and if it was just her, you know, she's, she's just the town weirdo. And it's like, you know, while Julia Roberts can be mysterious and sort of, you know, like goofy in a sexy way, but you know, if Joan Cusack pulled the same thing off, it's just like, you know, stay away from that, <laughs> that crazy person. I think you're like, I'm charming and mysterious in a way that even I don't understand. And something about me is crying out for protection from a big man like you. It's very hard to compete with, especially as married women who've lost our mystery. Lost? You have, you are totally mysterious. No, I'm weird. Weird and mysterious are two very different things. I'm weird. No, you're quirky. Quirky and weird are two very different things. Peggy, I think there is a distinct possibility that I am profoundly and irreversibly screwed up. I think I've you know, sort of alluded to, like in our Arlington Road episode, that even when Joan Cusack is being perfectly nice, she's always going to come across as a little bit off. And I, I like that scene. I, I thought that that was one sort of just genuine, genuine moment in there without mm-hmm. having this sort of like, you know, the sitcom trappings of like, oh, oh here comes the bride with her tennis shoes on, going to take off and let's see if Richard Gere can get her. So I, I like Joan Cusack and her, her uh, I guess, sidekick character a lot more than anyone else in the film. Yeah, I, I, I like that scene with Cusack as well. Um, so I'm glad you I'm glad you highlighted that. Um yeah, it's really funny. I'm looking at the character names right here, and it's and it's just kind of ju- jumping out to me. <laughs> so I guess I didn't realize that her her last name uh, in the movie is Carpenter. So she's Maggie mm-hmm. Carpenter, and and she is a carpenter, uh, and uh, you know that's pretty on the nose. Uh, I really hung up on and, her blue collar trappings. <laughs> and he's he's Homer Ike Eisenhower Graham. I mean, that's oh quite God. a weird combination of a of a lot of things. And yeah, I mean, I think you and I are okay. So you brought up the father. I, I, you know, I never miss an opportunity to talk about Paul Dooley, who, who is still alive and was one of the, um, the great. Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Brody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, he was, you know, one of the great featured players in Robert Altman's movies. And he, he had a lot of really good performances in those. Uh, particularly a uh, perfect couple. Yeah. Breaking away. He plays a very similar kind of role to this in that he's playing, you know, a father who, you know, who, you know, who doesn't really have a great uh, relationship with with his child. And uh, I wish they had kind of like, you know, given that an arc. Uh, Cause that kind of peters off, you know, like, it's like, Oh, dad gets drunk and says weird things and they never really have, any sort of um, closing off of that. So, you know, it, it, eh. it wants to like play it, you know, I, obviously from the, 
you know, the, the people that brought you pretty woman, it's going to play it pretty safe. Cause that was about, <laughs> that was about a prostitute that, you know, it, it, that's a pretty strange, like classic romantic comedy to me, as far as how they navigate the, the sort of minefield of that power dynamic between those, those two characters. Um, I did think that there would be more putting Richard Gere through his paces in this. Mm. And that sort of ends when they just dye his hair. Like when he first is introduced town. And then for the most part, he's sort of welcomed <laughs> with open arms to like, just take part in all the festivities. And I agree with you. I don't really see other than these are two very attractive people, uh, what the particular attraction is between, you know, this carpenter character and Ike Homer, Ike Eisenhower, um, I would, I would think that, <laughs> I would think that two, the two of them would hate each other, <laughs> like, and uh-huh. not in a, uh, not in the even just the first act way, but just like, really would not like being around each other, even if they could get over like you know the pranks they pulled on one another. Um, it just seems like we're you know as an audience we're kind of going through the motions too. Like okay, Richard Gere has come to town to uh, you know finally lasso this bride, <laughs> like he's gonna do it. But I, I don't even think the third act. You know, I I uh, occasionally host another podcast called The Grand Gesture, and I you know I think this one you talk about just petering out with a lot of the threads. Even when we get to like the the inevitable, like this couple will reunite and have an actual you know wedding where no one runs off. Like I said, it doesn't have that doesn't have that Notting Hill doesn't have those memorable sort of classic mm-hmm. moments here at all. Yeah, but like I said, you know. If it's raining outside, if, you know, there's like <laughs> hail and acid rain going on, you know, and you just want to get away from it all, uh, you could do a lot worse. You can do a lot worse. And I am, and I do want to say that I, you know, like with, with both Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall now having passed on and, and everything, there, there was something a little bit refreshing about seeing, you know, a mainstream populist movie that was able to you know, get people excited and everything. And I guess I sound like I'm coming off really soft on it and, and everything. And there's certainly, there's certainly a lot of Gary Marshall movies that I didn't like. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I am, I am nostalgic for a time when, when romant, romantic comedies were uh, opening up at like number one at the box office. This whatever. too, like what? 35 million. It had weekend. a really big opening weekend. It was, it was, yeah. you know, big, big, uh yeah like looking at his filmography like you know he would have a you know this wasn't his last raw like because he did the, no. uh, the princess diaries which was also mm-hmm. very successful but unfortunately i guess so was valentine's day yeah um, and i didn't care for his, that movie but yeah his last three you know he kind of uh was that was his thing doing these ensemble uh rom-coms um which i normally elements... i normally like those i normally have a real you know soft spot uh for for hyperlink movies as they call them mm. And, um, and yeah, those, those are not, I, I, I didn't see happy new year's or whatever it was called or happy mother's day. Um, but you know, well, I've seen all three oh. and, uh, I, uh, I honestly, you know, by design probably would get mixed up, which like, you know, which, uh, plot, plot thread was in, you know, which film, like, I guess the mother's day would be the most separate, but new year's Eve and Valentine's day. I probably have, you know, different, uh, different casts of characters in the, in the wrong film, but it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. So we were, well, we were a little, little muted on this, but, uh, I, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, if I was like rating this on, uh, you know, social media somewhere, I would still give it like, it would be a positive, like thumbs up as far as like, 
it, it gives you what it says it's going to give you, but nothing more. I think. I think we should get. We've we've neglected something. I think we should give a big shout out to uh, FedEx because you know I don't know what it is about the late '90s and the early 2000s, but like FedEx was hitting all the bases and mm. getting all the good product placement because they do. Because FedEx features prominent prominently in another movie that we're going to talk about. Uh, about four episodes. That's the next one. Uh, no, well, it's not. You're um, on a terrible so, streak of like. Well, what do you want me to do? I got all the tabs open right now. They're all right in front of me. Well, I like. <laughs> but yeah, but then but then also Castaway. I mean, I don't know what it was about FedEx. They were everywhere. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> so let's hear but it for not- FedEx. Let's hear it for FedEx. That's all I'm saying. Not in our next episode, which. Uh... The, as you said, having the tabs open during our marathon recording uh, today, uh, I don't think there would be a way to fool either one of us or the listeners with a bit of trivia on this next film. Can you can you think of something kind of, I guess, obtuse here to uh, to, to sort of hide what we're talking about with the next one? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's best movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Unbreakable, so... <laughs> Somehow you managed to mess I just that say, one up too but, good. but still, but still, come on. I think if you said M. Night Shyamalan's best movie, uh, even people who don't personally consider it his best movie would mm. know what you're talking about. So. Most well-known, certainly. Uh, oh, and pe- people Jesus may Christ. not be saying that about Unbreakable now that it's had two like, quasi-sequels that, that may have lost its Was luster. Was Split a sequel to, to, uh, to Unbreakable? It is, uh, you know, part of the connected universe, I guess, as you, you would say. No but, more. Uh, no more of this. You know, yeah. just have, a, just back have to one the... universe and just, you know. Well, to it. you know, we're going back to the simpler days where I think uh, The Sixth Sense was uh, at that point probably only part of the, what, uh, Praying with Anger uh, cinematic universe. Was that his first film? Praying with Anger. I've no, I guess I, I guess I missed that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all of our bases because you went you went on a limb saying this was his best. So I'm just going to throw out all I, of his I, films. I, 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 but, but you know, by by a very general philosophy, I, I avoid people who pray with anger. So just <laughs> well, that's uh that's the preview for our next episode. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I did not shout out uh, his second film, which starred Rosie O'Donnell. So I think we're good with that. Uh, one. That one is called seen. Wide Awake, correct? Yeah. Oh, you've seen that one, huh? No, I haven't seen. It. I just know the title, and it was on the special features of of The Sixth Sense. So there were there were a lot of clips of Robert Loja, uh, you know, uh, looking with uh, a twinkle in his eye. Uh, that's, that's where it belongs. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's good enough. So. We will try to keep our wide awake talk to a minimum on the next episode for one of the, the big films of 1999. This should be a big episode, Ben, so we got to be on our best behavior. I am certainly not wide awake uh, at this point. Oh, God. Uh, so I think I Please need come back. cup of coffee. <laughs> And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99